Welcome back to the Australian Rotary Health Podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. I'm Jessica Cooper and joining us today on episode 44 is Associate Professor Lexine Stepinski from the University of Sydney. Dr. Lexine Stepinski is an Associate Professor and Clinical Psychologist at the Matilda Centre for Research in Mental Health and Substance Use. Her research focuses on understanding how alcohol and substance use disorders develop and how we can intervene early on to reduce their impact and prevent escalation. From 2017 to 2019, she was awarded an Australian Rotary Health Mental Health Research Grant to conduct a world first trial of the Inroads program, an online cognitive behavioral therapy program for young people who drink to cope with anxiety, stress or worries. So thank you very much Lexine for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, How's everything been going for you lately? Good, thank you. Yes, and nice to um, finally meet you in person, actually, after all of the emails. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I, I guess as, as part of your grant project, you were trialling a program called Inroads aimed at young people who drink alcohol to cope with anxiety and stress. Uh, so, so to start off, would you like to talk a bit about how common it might be for young people to turn to alcohol as a coping mechanism and why this might not be particularly helpful? Yeah, okay. So um, I guess the type of, of people that I've particularly focused on are people, young people that have anxiety. So what we're talking about there is something that, you know, everyone knows about. Everyone knows what it's like to, you know, feel nervous or feel particularly anxious. But for some young people, they experience anxiety that is um more intense um, and it can become quite debilitating. So it can get to the point where they're actually, you know, worrying a lot, not really able to worry um, to control their worries or put them into perspective. And they can start to be sort of avoiding different things, might be avoiding, you know, going to parties or avoiding even going to the supermarket. Can be quite, it can be quite debilitating um, for some people. And then what we know is that when people do have anxiety, so it might be anxiety that's quite mild or it might be that kind of more, um, more debilitating anxiety that I'm talking about, we know that they're more likely to use alcohol in harmful ways. So there's several things that we know. We know that they can um, tend to start using alcohol earlier on in the teenage years. And then what can also happen is they're more likely to progress from using alcohol once to starting to use it more regularly to then developing what we would call an alcohol use disorder. So it's starting to have the kind of problems um, that can surround alcohol use when you're using it a lot or when you're using it in a, in a kind of harmful way. Um, and you asked also about drinking to cope. And that's what we find is a really important part of this. So young people that have anxiety um, are more likely, or are quite likely in fact, to report that they use alcohol as a way of coping with their anxiety. So you might kind of be familiar with this idea of self-medication, and this is really what we're talking about. Um, And the reason that we know it's 
um, can be really unhelpful is because what happens is anxiety and alcohol use will tend to start fueling each other in a, a vicious cycle. So if you're a young person, if you find you're nervous about, you know, one thing that's really uncommon is, sorry, really common is being nervous about, let's say, attending parties or going on dates or, you know, just even meeting new people. And you might find that if you have a drink um, before you're meeting new people or while you're meeting new people, that kind of takes the edge off. It's a bit of a social lubricant. You feel more confident. You feel happier, you know, talking. Um, and then that means that it can mean that you then start to use alcohol in that way more and more over time. And over time, you can develop a bit of a reliance on alcohol to kind of cope with the anxiety in that way, which means that you increasingly drink more and more and more. And then this is where we see this vicious cycle start where as you're drinking more, and more and more other problems start popping up it might be problems at work it might be problems you know with your family or getting into fights with people when you've had a bit too much to drink and then we see that in turn just increases sort of stress and anxiety in your life so then you are more anxious and then so the cycle continues so this was really the cycle that we've that research has identified that can happen with young people and the one that we were particularly interested to um, to look at and to address with the inroads program yeah well yeah that sounds very interesting and sounds yeah so, like such an important thing to really address because i'm sure many young people don't even realize that the alcohol might be um, making things worse as well yeah, and I guess, you know, look, the other thing is that alcohol is everywhere when you're a young person as well. So it's really natural that, you know, I mentioned social situations, being a bit nervous in social situations. Well, what social situation do we not have alcohol in, um, involved in, you know? So it is, it's really natural that people might, um, might turn to a drink and, you know, it's, they might be doing it for reasons like to have fun and just to have a good night, but it just can get into this, it can kind of exacerbate to a place where people can find it's starting to cause problems in their life and they want to do, do something about it. They want to make some changes. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, that that's um, what the inroads program would, um, would target specifically. Uh, I guess, could you maybe give our audience um, who might not heard of the, um, the inroads program, a bit of a brief overview about what the program is and how it targets alcohol use and anxiety. Yeah. So the reason that um, I became interested in this particularly was because I had been working with um, adults so of all ages who had um, both anxiety and alcohol use disorders mm -hmm. and what we really saw there was that vicious cycle that I talked about where they had both anxiety and alcohol problems but they found it really hard to um, to make changes because their anxiety sort of made them want to drink and then drinking made their anxiety worse and they were sort of really um, quite stuck and what we thought was what if we could you know these are people that had been drinking for a long time had had anxiety for a long time we thought what if we could go back earlier on um, and help people when things are just sort of starting to go down that path try and early intervention is, is what it's called really it's where you get in early when things are first starting to develop to help people um, develop coping strategies that mean that things don't kind of exacerbate and, and get more entrenched and so that's what the inroads program is all about it's quite brief 
Um, so it's only five modules and it's just about helping young people learn strategies and skills to help them manage their anxiety symptoms and also keep their, um, their alcohol use under control. So it's not about saying like you're not allowed to um, drink anymore. It's not kind of an, um, an A, A um, kind of model. It's more about saying if you want to set yourself some limits for your drinking and stick to those, what are some ways that you could do that? What are some ways that you could keep your drinking safe but also not have things get messy? You know, sometimes things can get really messy um, on a night out drinking. So putting in some practical strategies to, to help with that. That's pretty much it with a nutshell. But I should just also say that the program was an internet delivered program. Um, and so this came from the fact that when we spoke to young people um, and also when we looked at the research, the feedback that we kept getting was that young people really lacked the convenience um, of accessing a program online. Things like they liked being able to kind of log on, you know, like at 11 o'clock at night if they wanted to and, and access some of the skills and modules then. Um, so yeah, so it's five modules that are online, but then as part of the program, we also provided some therapist support, um, a psychologist that the person could speak to, and that was via phone or via email as well. Hmm. Yeah, well, it sounds like a very helpful program and seems to be a program that um, youth would really um, identify with as well. Yeah. Yeah, we had we had good um, yeah we had good uptake in terms of people being interested in enrolling in the program. So yeah, that was really great to see. Yeah. So so funding uh, from Australian Rotary Health has allowed you to undertake the first trial of this program. What exactly did that involve? Yeah, so we developed the, um, the program and it was at that point that we sought funding from Rotary Health, as you mentioned. And I guess um, what's really important, you know, I'm a researcher, there's a lot of online programs out there. You could go to an app store and find all sorts of wellbeing programs. But, you know, we're all time poor. We don't want to invest in something that's not going to work, that's not going to be effective. And so it's really important to me, if I'm putting a program out there, that I make sure that it actually is effective. It's actually going to help people. It's not just going to waste people's time. So one of the ways that we do that is that we base the program on um, strategies that we know to be effective. So it's a cognitive behavioural therapy program. We base it on a lot of research about the kind of effective strategies for anxiety and alcohol use. But it was in a new package. It was for a new population in terms of the, the youth group that it was for. So we wanted to actually test whether it is effective, does it actually work? And the way that we do that is we um, enroll people in the trial, ask them to volunteer to be part of it, and then we randomly choose whether they get either the inroads program, so the five modules of, of the program plus the psychologist support, or alternatively, they got some online information about alcohol harms and alcohol guidelines. So either way, they got something. But what we wanted to be able to show was that the inroads program would be better, would be providing more um, benefit than just purely providing that kind of information support in terms of alcohol. Yeah. And, and I guess as well, um, after you conducted that trial, what, what kind of findings came out of that? Yeah, so what we do is we 
We asked people um, some questions about their anxiety and their alcohol use when they first enrolled in the trial. And then what we do is we follow up with them at two time points. So one was at two months after the program. So this is pretty much immediately a few weeks after they've finished the program. And then we follow up at six months after. So to see like longer term what's happened um, to people, how are they traveling a bit longer term. We found some really interesting things that were a bit different at those two time points. So what we found at that immediate two month point right after the program was that people had made some significant changes to their anxiety in the inroads group but they hadn't the other group the control group hadn't been able to make some changes so the inroads group were doing a lot better in terms of managing their anxiety symptoms we also found though that both groups had been able to make a change to their drinking which I guess makes sense because they both got information about alcohol about the harms about you know safe guidelines so they were both able to make those changes in the short term although the inroads program um, those people were able to make better bigger changes in terms of what we call hazardous use so that's that's use that's sort of um, causing problems causing harms so they were able to make more changes in that respect and then when we looked at six month follow-up though we found something quite interesting in that the group that didn't get inroads so the group that just got information they had like a rebound effect so they were able to make some changes initially but over time, they kind of went back. So they, their level of drinking, their level of binge drinking rebounded back to closer to where it had been at the beginning. Whereas the people that got the inroads program were better able to sustain their changes to their drinking. So they managed their anxiety symptoms better, but then they were also able to keep their, their drinking under control. And this really makes sense from what we know about that vicious cycle, that if they were better able to manage their symptoms of anxiety, and if their symptoms are part of what's um, causing them or leading them to drinking situations, then it does make sense they'd be better able to sustain the changes long term because they can now manage their anxiety symptoms, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it's, yeah it certainly sounds like that um, the inroads program is, is quite effective, um, which, which is really great to hear. That's, that's what we always like to see when we fund this <laughs> research. So that's, yeah, that's great. Um, do, do you believe that these findings may um, have some positive implications maybe in terms of preventing alcohol use in young people who experience anxiety? Yeah, look, I think the bottom line um, for me is that, you know, we know there's a lot of different um, reasons why people drink and there's a lot of different causes for anxiety. It's not one single factor, it's multiple causes. But what this means is that, that no matter why you might have got into trouble with, with drinking or with anxiety, there are some practical skills that people can put in place. That, and that's very much what the Inroads program is about. They're really kind of common sense, practical strategies and skills that people can put in place and they can make changes. So people don't have to feel like they're trapped or you know they can't do anything differently. You can certainly feel like that sometimes, but these are some really quite simple things that people can do, which can, they see themselves sort of slipping down a path where they're not liking where things are going with their drinking. They can put in some of these strategies to kind of pull things back and get things back to where they feel like they are in control and they're happy with, with um, the way things are going in their life again. 
yeah. so yeah I think it is a positive message for sure yeah and that sounds like a really um a good approach to kind of go about it as well rather than saying you have to stop like cold turkey there's instead some strategies to sort of manage it and you know take it away slowly so yeah that sounds really helpful um yeah so I guess if someone was listening to this podcast and, and wanted to access the inroads program is it currently available and if so where can they find it yeah so um so as I just talked about, we finished the trial in 2019. Um, and then, of course, after that, the, um, the COVID pandemic happened. And so what we really saw with the COVID pandemic, um, that we were getting some data through saying that particularly young people were experiencing an increase in anxiety symptoms. Um, and which, you know, is completely understandable given all the uncertainty and everything that was going on. And we also saw that people reported that they were more likely to drink to cope with alcohol. So what we thought was the inroads program is actually a really um, potentially a really useful program to roll out at this time if young people are experiencing more anxiety and more alcohol use. So what we've been able to do is secure some funding from the Australian Government Department of Health to help us. First of all, we adapted the program um, to include some additional information to help people specifically with managing worry related to COVID. Um, and then we've, um, and then with that funding, we were able to launch an open trial of the program. So what that means, so that was just uh, um, launched earlier this year. And what it means is that people can log on, enroll, and everyone will um, will receive the program. And what we'll just do is collect some information from them to see how they've been benefiting um, from the program. So if anyone out there would like to access the program, finds that they're experiencing anxiety and, and maybe drinking alcohol to cope, it's available right now from inroads.org.au. Great. We yeah, can just, sure. just Google inroads, you'll probably find it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's so good. And it came out at a really um, appropriate time as well during COVID. So um, it's good that that was able to get out there. Yeah. Yeah, it was great that, I mean, you know, with Rotary's support, we had it, we had the program ready, we'd had it tested, and we really could, you know, be quite agile and respond quickly to kind of say, let's get it out, let's get it out to help people. So sorry, I should say it's also available for young people aged 17 to 30. So we've got quite a wide range there in terms of people that it might benefit. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's great. And in terms of further research um, on, on this particular program, um, are you continuing, like you said, you were collecting data at the moment to see if that's effective, but um, I, might there be other ways that you might rework the program to sort of target other areas of mental health? Yeah, well, so as I said, this, this kind of adaptation to see whether it can help in the time of, of COVID is one really good example of that, and we'll be collecting data. We're also doing some more research um, to look at the really long, long, long-term effects. So we're actually looking at that original group of young people who did the program back in 2017 to 2019. We're looking now at 2.5 years later, how are they traveling? So that's gonna be really interesting to see, you know, if we do something early, can we really kind of make these really long-term um, benefits for people happen? And then I guess other avenues that we'd really like to explore in the future are things like adapting for other problems that young people might have, so such as cannabis use, which is another one that can commonly go along with anxiety as well. So yeah, lots of potential directions there. 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely sounds like there's there's lots that you can do with that. So yeah, that's that's really great. Um, our, our Rotarians as well, who are the primary supporters of Australian Rotary Health, they always love to hear about the success stories of research that they help to fund. And um, your, your research is one example of that. So that's, yeah, it's been really great to hear about your research today. Um, can, can you maybe comment on the importance of continuing mental health research funding and how Australian Rotary Health funding um, may have personally helped you in your career? Yeah, absolutely. I guess what we're really seeing at the moment is that the funding environment for researchers, particularly researchers in mental health, is really, really tough. It's really difficult to get um, grants. It's becoming more and more um, competitive. And, you know, what we also know is that the size of the problem in terms of mental health, I've just been talking about how things are, you know, getting, getting a bit worse with COVID, particularly for young people, and yet we're not seeing... Um, a, a corresponding investment in mental health research. So Australia, Australian Rotary Health performs such an important functioning function by having that um, support, having that research support that means that people like me can have an idea, develop a program and actually move that forward get it trialed and as, you, as I've talked about, then be able to um, disseminate it, put it out there in the community for people to use. So it is such an important um, role that Rotary fills in that respect, yes. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, once again, it has been really great to talk to you about your research findings and thanks so much for joining the podcast today, Lexine. Um, was, was no there problem. Yeah. <laughs> Um, was there anything else that you'd like to add um, before we wrap up today? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot of, <laughs> of territory, but I guess just a big thank you to you, Jessica, and to all of Australian Rotary Health. I've really enjoyed um, on several occasions presenting and getting out and talking um, at the Rotary Clubs as well, which is a bit different to this experience, isn't it, where you kind of get some interactive feedback and questions back as well, which is really interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's just been so great, and I'm very grateful for the support from Rotary. So, yeah, thank you to you all. Well, thank you so much again and thanks for your willingness to, to go out there and, and present your research to Rotary Clubs as well. I'm sure they really appreciate it. That was the 44th episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you can, please support important mental health research like Lexine's by donating on the Australian Rotary Health website. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.